Well, today we are beginning a series entitled uh, Checkmate or The Battle for Worship. The Battle for Worship. There is a, a battle for, for worship. And, and we all in some way really know that because, and, I, and I'll say this and I'd like you to kind of remember this. There are several things we're going to look at today. The first thing that I'd like to really share with you is that we all worship something. Each one of us, we worship something. What do you mean when you say that we all worship something? See, you can't help worshiping because the worship is, to, is it's really a part of your DNA. It's a part of how God really made you. And, and um, so it's important then that we understand and clarify for our discussion over this next several weeks what worship is. And I want you to remember this, and this is the definition that we will hold on to over the next several uh, weeks. Worship is our response to what we value most. Worship is our response to what we value most. And some people really value their car. And, um, and if you get too close to them, uh, if, if it's raining and you uh, splash a little water on it, they may not be very happy because they really value that the most. And some people won't even let their spouses drive their cars. I tried that for a little while. And Gwen just got the key, put her hand on her hip. Some people value their clothes, what they look like. They value what they see in the mirror. And so there is worship to a vehicle, there would be worship to themselves. Some people value a job. Some value and want to emulate athletes. And that's the thing that they value the most. And so we recognize then is that all of us worship something. And if, if worship is our response to what we value the most, uh, it's important to recognize then that God doesn't mind if you have something that you enjoy. He does not matter if you're really uh, desiring something. Uh, what he does not want it to be the first thing in your life that you value or you value it more than you value him. And so one of the first worshipers recorded in the Bible was one of the archangels whose name was Lucifer. And what I want to do this morning is I want to describe to you him and also uh, what happened. But first... Before I do that, the Bible really has three named angels. There are three named angels in the Bible. And uh, there was an angel by the name of Michael. And Michael is known as the prayer angel, prayer angel. You know, when you pray and, and he's the, he's the war, warring angel. The Bible says that Gabriel, uh, well, well, when we look at Michael, one of the interesting things that we recognize then is that when we pray, that God hears us, and because God hears us, he sends the answer to us. We may not see it immediately, but the Bible gives us an indication that Michael is warring so that we can get what God has promised. The second named angel in the, angel in the Bible is Gabriel. Gabriel is the word angel. And do you remember that he came to uh, Mary and he says that uh, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. And you shall name him Jesus. And, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. And so Gabriel now, he brings the promise. And, he, and you'll recall that even in the book of Daniel, that in the book of Daniel, Daniel had been praying. And, 
And, uh, and Gabriel uh, was delivering the word or the promise, that, that the answer that God uh, was sending to Daniel. And, and Gabriel says that, you know what, by the, from the first time that you prayed, from the dirt first day that you prayed, God sent me, but I was detained, so I called Michael to come and, and, and fight on my behalf so that I could be released to bring you the promise or his answer. So we see that we have Michael. Michael is the prayer uh, angel. Uh, we see, we say, have Gabriel. Gabriel is the word angel, the word of God. And then we have Lucifer. And Lucifer is the worshiping angel. And this is what heaven was like from the beginning. There was prayer in heaven. There was the word in heaven. There was worship in heaven. All three of these things represented heaven. And the Bible tells us that Lucifer uh, fell, and when he fell, he took a third of the angels in heaven with him. Now, when we look at this, then we recognize that these three, three things that God had in, in heaven that represented prayer, the word, and the worship are the same things that he wants in the earth. But, but let's see exactly what happened in the book of Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14, if you would turn there, please. Isaiah 14, and we're going to look in verses 12 through 14. Come on, let's begin to read, starting in the 12th verse. Let's read it together now. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast out from to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. Verse 13. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the star of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. Now look at that, look at that. Notice this, that this is God telling Lucifer about himself. And he says that, this is what you wanted to do. You wanted in your heart, he says, that you wanted to ascend yourself. And you wanted to ascend yourself to the heavens and, and you wanted to be raised, uh, your throne to be raised and, and you wanted to be raised above uh, my light. <laughs> he says that, and you wanted to be enthroned on the mountain and you wanted to be this high thing that everybody would look up to. Verse 14, let's read it together now. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most. I notice what he says. He says that I'm going to elevate myself. I'm going to elevate myself and I'm going to elevate myself and I'm going to make myself like the most high God. I'm going to become just like you. I'm going to become just like you. I'm going to be elevated like you. I'm the worshiping angel. He wanted to worship, but he was interested in worshiping himself rather than God who had created him. And so the Bible tells us that Lucifer was expelled from heaven. And, 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 and theologians believe it was between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. <laughs> in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then Lucifer says, I'm going to elevate myself. And then he began to cast him into the darkness because the spirit of the God began to move over the face of the deep. And so the, the, the world, when this world came into existence, what we see is that 
Satan or Lucifer was expelled. And so why did he get expelled? It was because of all the names of God. Notice this. He calls him the most high God. He didn't just say God. He says, you're the most high. Now, when something is the most high, you can't get any higher than that which is the most. And he calls him the most high God. And so when Satan falls down and he begins to worship, he says that I want to go to earth. And he said when he gets to earth, he wants to get to earth. And he will, when God casts him down, he goes to earth. He wants everything to worship him. And, 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 and what's interesting is that uh, he begins to redirect his focus. He begins to do, redirect his focus. Let's look at the next verse. As he re- redirects his focus, what we recognize is that Satan is, has been created by God in a way that it's very, very interesting. Because in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28, I've given you Isaiah 14. That was one of the places that we saw what happened to Lucifer. And then Ezekiel chapter 28, what we see is another description of what happens to him. In Ezekiel chapter 28, and I want you to notice this because it's so important, uh, those words that I have highlighted there. In Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13 and 14, it says that you were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was your covering. Now, now, this is really important. I want you to just store that in your mind. Precious stone. He says that you were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was your covering. And then he began to name those, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the oxen, the jas- jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, the emerald with gold. Notice this, what he says next. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Look at that. He says your timbers and your pipes were created for you. My God, what's a timber? <laughs> what's pipes? He says that the timbers and the pipes, they were prepared for you the day you were created. So notice this, that God says that Lucifer, when I created you, I created you equipped with pipes, with timbrels, he says that I equipped you. No, look, he was not just, he had those, he was those. That's what he was. And no matter what he did, no matter what he tried to do, it would come out as worship until in his heart he decided that he wanted to be worshiped rather than to be a worshiper. So, 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 so notice this. He says that the timbrels and pipes was prepared for you for the day you were created. And this is what I love in verse 14. He says it like this. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. And what this means is that he was anointed. He was yoke-destroying, burden-removing anointed. So notice this. Whenever he worshiped, something would happen. Things would change. Whenever he worked it, why? Because he was anointed by God. He says that you were anointed as a garden cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. And so notice this, that God dressed him. Not only as a string instrument, he was a string instrument, but he dressed him in precious stone. His settings and mountings were made. Timbrels or symbols. Timbrels or pipes, something you blow. And so, you know what? Um, when I grew up, I loved music. And as I grew up, I first in the sixth grade began to play the violin. And as I played the violin and went to some of the state competition, I loved the way the, the, the piano accompanist would play. And so, um, 
I wanted to learn the piano. And my daddy, my daddy loved me so much that he gave, got me the best teacher in the entire city. And, and, and man, we would drive about 25 minutes from my house so that I could take lessons. And so um, when I went to college, I had seven scholarships in music. But I want to tell you something about music. So I know a little bit of thing, a couple of things about music. Let me tell you something. Every music instrument falls into three categories. Number one, stringed instruments. Every musical instrument falls into one of three. The first one is string instruments. And string instruments are, is something you pluck. The banjo, the guitar, even the piano has strings on the inside of it. The second one is percussion instruments, and that's uh, drums, congos, things you beat on, cymbals. You can beat on them and you can make noise. And so we've got string instruments, we've got percussion, and we've got wind instruments, wind instruments. And, and so if you have, an, uh, and those wind instruments are things you blow into. It could be a trumpet and although we call saxophones and a wind, but it's anything you blow into. So we've got strings that you pluck, my God. We've got uh, percussions that you beat on. We've got wind that you blow into. And, and notice this, that God has created you and God has created me with all three of these. That just as he created him to worship, he created us. What do we have? We have vocal cords. And with these strings that are in our vocalness, we are able to speak. We are able to sing. And it may not sound as good to you as it does to him, but I'm trying to please him. And do you know what else we have? We have uh, percussions, things we can bang on. The Bible outlines. And then we have wind instruments where we can lift our voices and out of our lungs we say that it is your breath that's in our lungs. So we pour out our praise on you. So God has created us as, as a worshiper with string instruments, with a percussion, and with wind instrument. And just as he desired for that to be in heaven, he also desires it to be here on earth. He wants the prayer. He wants the word. He wants worship. And as it was in the beginning, so it is today. But we've got an adversary. <laughs> an adversary. An adversary. The enemy. And notice this. Music is powerful. And the amazing thing about that is Lucifer still is an anointed musician. Even when he came to the earth, he's still anointed. Music will cause you to move. Music will cause you to groove. And how many of you know that um, we have to be really careful of what we listen to, right? Now, not that it's Christian. Let me just kind of make sure we, 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 we correct this. It's not that it's Christian or secular music, but it's Christian or secular lyrics. The Bible says that we are to think on these things. Any music that causes you to think differently from what, or words or lyrics that cause you to think differently from what the word of God says is not music or words you should be saying or listening to. Amen? Now, if it causes you to think the way God thinks, he says, think on these good things. Think on the values of God. And so when you think on the values of God, and I love to use these two examples here, and I just want to make sure that we're on the same page, that we can sing Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Let the Catholic Church say amen. 
The world will get no better if you just let, how many of you know that the world will get no better if you just let it be? Oh, you ought to know that. Uh, how many of you know America will get no better if you just let it be? How many of you know the world will get no better if you just let it be? And, and, and so that's Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. But how many of you know that you can, I don't know who wrote this song, but you can't sing that song, Me and Mrs. Jones. But what, what, you can't sing that song. Why? It's because it talks about adultery, which is not of God. Ezekiel, uh, chapter 28, because uh, it's so important that we recognize that Satan is still, Lucifer is still an anointing in music today. And Ezekiel 28, verse 15 through 17, Ezekiel 28, 15 through 17, notice what God says about him. He says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Isn't it interesting that there are many things that start out in the spirit, but ends over into the flesh. There are relationships that start in the spirit and end in the flesh. There are things that start right, but they transition over into the flesh. And what, what does that mean? What is flesh? We want to make sure we, 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 we uh, flesh is simply human effort. That's what flesh is. It's human effort. So there are many things that start out depending on God, but move over into human effort. And so he says that uh, through your widespread, he says that uh, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. And notice this. He says, through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. Your widespread trade. Notice this, this word trade. See, God said that when I created you, you were blameless <laughs> and in all of your ways. But now in your heart, you began to trade what I had uh, created you for to replace it. See, what I created you for, you replaced it for yourself. So you traded what I created for you, you traded it for yourself. What I created for you to please me, or let me say it like this, what I created for me and gave to you, you traded it for yourself. And so that word is so, it's so important that we don't trade what God has given us for our own items that we worship. In your DNA, you've been created to worship. You have been created to have something of greater value that you put your eyes and your heart on. It's so important that that very thing be God and not the things that we see ourselves. It is the creator, not the things that the creator has created. Now, now let's look at this. Verse 17, he says, your heart, let's, re let's read it together. Now, your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your strength. Isn't that interesting? How many of you know that, man, some people that stay in front of the mirror so long. Does anybody know anybody at work like that? I'm not talking about in your house, in your family. But, but, but people are in, in front of the mirror. I got to tell you, I can, I can comb my hair without even looking in the mirror. So it's important then that we're not uh, valuing the very thing that we're seeing in the mirror. He says, he says these words. He says, your heart became proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. Notice this. And because of that, I threw you to the earth and I made a speckle, spectacle of you 
before kings. You know, remember the disciples, when he says that I threw you to the earth and I made a spectacle of you before kings. You remember the disciples in the New Testament, they went out and he sent them out two by two. And when they went out, they came back and says, Jesus, we are so amazed. Even the, dim, the demons uh, submit to your name. And Jesus says, I knew that. I knew that. I was there when it happened. I, I, I mean, Jesus says, but boys, uh, I knew that, and he tells them that in Luke chapter 10, verse 18. He says it like this. He says, Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I was there. I saw that. Man, it was like, boom, he was in heaven one day, and then, boom, the next second, he was in the, on the earth. I saw him fall just that fast. Just, just, just the way lightning. That's how fast I saw him fall. See, many of you think that this big battle that's going on with Satan is just tugging against God. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. It happens, boom, just like that, that the power of God can cause the power of Satan to have no effect. He says, I was there. I saw it. It was like lightning, boom, that went across the sky. And it, boom, he fell. Just like that. Would you say just like that? Just like that. <laughs> he fell just like that. And so notice this, that God still wants three things to happen. He still wants three things to happen. Number one, he wants prayer. Number two, he wants his word. And number three, he wants his worship. God wants three things to still happen. He wants prayer. He wants his word. And he wants worship. But he has an unemployed cherub. And he has a vacancy on his team. And the question is, will you feel that vacancy? Would you be the one that pray? Would you be the one that speak his word? Would you be the one that worships? See, everything he did when he created Lucifer, he put that on you so you would be equipped to do the job that he had called you to do and to bring pleasure to him. And so God has equipped you. It's in your throat. He's given you strings. It's in your lungs. He's given you wind. It's in your hands and your feet. He's given you percussion section. And you are a full jukebox for God. That you can... You are a human jukebox for God. And he's created you. And just as he anointed Lucifer, that when he would worship, something would happen. He has anointed you also. And when you worship, something happens. And you've got to use your instruments. You've got to use your hands. You've got to use your... See, this is not it. He's been too good to you. See, there are some things you don't understand. But if you'll just obey what he has said, that he'll show you things that you did not know. And there is some power in your worship. And when you speak the word, when you begin to pray, when you allow that word, that, that strings, the percussions, the clapping of your head, then now it releases power. And the Bible says it silences the enemy. And that's why it's called the sacrifice. You may not feel like it. It's no such thing. I don't like that music. Oh, I like this kind of worship. No, no, no. If it honors him, it's got power. Well, I don't like that song. Well, does it say that your presence is heaven? I don't care if they play it in bluegrass or country and western. I'm all in that thing. Because what happens when you start selecting how you would value him 
is that you have traded what he has created for himself for yourself. And there is no power when you worship you. There is only power when you worship him. And God has created you to worship him. And when you worship him, power is released. When you worship him, power is released. God desires that there is prayer, there is the word, and there is worship. And he's equipped you for all three. You are three angels in one, but higher. The worship leader in heaven failed, but God says, will you be my worship leader in the earth? Because when you worship me, and you elevate me because you value me the most, when you worship me, then now what I have, my power, is now made available. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 8, there was a man who was struggling in life, but he pushed beyond his circumstances to worship. And it was at that moment that his life 